Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Would you join me in welcoming the lovely Emma to the stage platform, whatever this thing is? Um, for those of you who don't know, Emma Wilson um, is one of our trustees here, um, and Emma and her husband Darren and their son Daniel have been part of Lagan Valley Vineyard since the very, very beginning and have been an integral part of what God has kind of built here. Um, there's many times when we were converting this that I came in here to find Darren stuck under this thing um, as he crawled in there and made all the wires work that make you able to kind of hear us. Um, Emma ran our finance for, for a long time and now serves on our board, but they're uh, dear friends and uh, it is a real privilege for us to have Emma opening the scriptures for us this afternoon. So will you join me as we pray uh, for Emma as she opens the Bible with us? Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the Wilson family. Lord, thank you for all that they have invested in your kingdom and in this community. And Holy Spirit, we just simply invite you to come and speak to us. We say that we need your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Um, Andy did like most of my introduction there, but sure, we'll run over it again. <laughs> um, yeah, you now know my name is Emma. Um, I live in Glenavy um, with my husband Darren and Daniel, and the big news in Glenavy at the minute, you really need to hear this, the spa is getting a refurb, and they've moved the front door to the back of the building, which is just like revolutionary for Glenavy. Um, as well as living in Glenavy, Darren and I run a business there, and as we have um, navigated COVID and Brexit, my day-to-day of late has looked like a lot of problem-solving. As well as working full-time, I started studying theology with WTC last year, which honestly is one of the best things that I have ever done. The closing date for this year, I'm not plugging up, but closing date is definitely some stage this week. So if you're on the fence thinking you would like to study theology and you're not quite sure, feel free to come and speak to me. I'm sure you'll agree with me that Lauren did an incredible job last week as she helped us consider how we deal with loss and disappointment. As we continue with our conversation, the rebuild, this morning I want to help us think about what it means for us to follow Jesus today. On the 8th of August, 2021, in this place where our church family meet and from here to the towns, villages and streets that we call home. What does it mean for us to follow Jesus in this place, the place where we spend most of our time each day, be that at home, school or out in the workplace? What does it mean for us to follow Jesus today as we journey life with our family and friends? What does it mean for us to follow Jesus as we evaluate the last 18 months and begin to identify what really matters as we move forwards individually and as a community? In life, we can feel pressure to acquire certain things, look a certain way, or conform to a certain model of behavior. I remember when I was in P7 and my best friend bought a pair of Oxblood Dr. Martin boots. Truthfully, I didn't really like the look, but as more and more pairs of Dr. Martin boots appeared in school, I felt pressure to comply nonetheless. Bear in mind, my days of P7 were long before online shopping was a regular thing. In fact, the finer details of the internet were just getting figured out. Looking through a mail order catalogue, I found a pair of denim Dr. Martin boots. Delighted with my find of something on trend, but a little more me, I eagerly awaited their arrival. 
The day came, my boots arrived, and I put them on, expecting to feel some kind of Dr. Martin's superpower from the bouncing soles, but in reality, nothing had really changed. The next big thing was Fruit of the Loom branded sweatshirts, followed by NAFCO 54 bomber jackets. Confession time, hands up if you owned any of these things. Denim Dr. Martin boots were a bit of a fail. It rains a lot in this little part of the world, and so the dye quickly came out of the front of them, leaving a two-tone mismatch. Looking back, even at the age of 11, the voice of this shiny new thing will make you popular, successful, and complete was a loud one. The voice of advertising is constantly telling us to just do it, impossible is nothing, and you're worth it. Comforting as this may be, a problem arises when we drop our gaze from God, taking our eyes off those around us and focus purely on ourselves. The danger lies when this spills into our view of our church community. We can find ourselves following Jesus because he makes our lives better and more enjoyable. This can be hard to identify because it looks good, feels good, and does so much good. We are not called to be so concerned with ourselves that we overlook those around us. What does it mean for us to be cross-centered as we pick up the pieces and rebuild our lives from the interruption of the last year? What does it mean for us to be cross-centered as we seek to follow Jesus today? Let's take a look at what Jesus taught about discipleship. The word disciple is from a Latin word discipulus, which simply means student, learner, or follower. I feel like social media and Instagram in particular have taught so many what it means to be a follower. Jesus may have been the original influencer. In Mark chapter eight, verse 31, Jesus teaches that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected before dying on the cross and rising three days later. Peter, clearly uncomfortable with this, takes Jesus aside and tries to correct him. Let's pause for a moment. Can you imagine correcting Jesus because his plans don't quite fit your agenda? We may not take him aside, but our actions and choices can speak for themselves. Jesus then continues to explain that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross and follow me. Put simply, this means that we are to reject the easier life of shallow, culture-pleasing faith and totally surrender our lives to Jesus. To deny ourselves and take up the cross does not mean we are to carry a burden from God. It looks like belonging to God, not our things, position, reputation, or comfort. Let's see what the Bible has to say. Turn with me to read Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. Come, Holy Spirit. Do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, 
What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let us pray. Father God, we simply pray that you would help us to hear from you and to learn from your word today. Amen. In verse 25, Jesus clearly says, do not worry about your life. This isn't an invitation to worry a little or a lot. It clearly says that we are not to worry at all. Worrying simply takes our gaze off God and firmly onto ourselves. We focus on our limitations rather than God's limitless ability. He goes on to ask, is not life more than food or the body than clothes? I'm sure I'm not alone in having worries about what to wear or what to cook. My understanding of this is not that these things don't matter. Clearly they do, but dwelling on them causes us to be separated and distracted from what really matters in life. In verse 27, we read, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? How many people have you met who say, I wish I'd spent more time worrying? Life is a gift to be lived. Verse 33 stands out to me. I feel this is significant for this season. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek is a verb, it's a doing word. We need to be active in our pursuit of Jesus. Jeremiah 29:13 reminds us that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. These words were spoken long before Jesus was born, but revealed to us the Father's desire to be with his people. Seek first his kingdom instantly protects us from distractions and too much concern for ourselves. God's kingdom is where what God wants happens. If we make loving others and loving God our priority, so many insecurities will simply fall away. God created us and knows us better than anyone else. We were never created to focus on ourselves. The good news is that despite how it sounds, righteousness is not being legalistic. It is not about our achievements in God's school of law. Righteousness is a wonderful gift from God to humanity through Jesus' death on the cross. Those who believe in Jesus have become the children of God. In him, we are forever loved by God unconditionally, just as children are forever loved by their parents, no matter what. We are accepted and justified, not by our own goodness, but by the perfect love of God. Jesus instructs us to seek God's kingdom first and find our identity in being a child of God. These building blocks for life found in scripture are so helpful, especially when we live in a world that tells us to seek popularity, success, be great, and avoid disappointment. The definition of popular is to be liked or admired by many people, and yet freedom comes when we no longer need to be somebody special in other people's eyes, when we are content to be popular with him alone. Peter Scazzaro's definition of success is super helpful. Success is becoming the, God, the person God calls you to become and doing what God calls you to do in his time and according to his timetable. Let me read that again. Success is becoming the person God calls you to become and doing what God calls you to do in his way and according to his timetable. 
That takes so much pressure off us. Not that we are to stop trying, but we can take comfort that God who created us will take care of the details. In his way can be a challenge. There are so many times in life when I've tried to do things my own way, especially in the workplace, I've ended up frustrated and exhausted. The issue of his timetable can be an uncomfortable one too. I know I'm not alone in finding enjoyment in making decisions. And yet I have found freedom comes from simply praying, your kingdom come and your will be done. The simple part of the Lord's prayer is a real perspective changer. It helps me lift my gaze from myself and place it firmly on God. I'm unsure at which point the idea that we were to be great and avoid suffering and failure arose. We are human beings, not human doings, certainly not immune to suffering and failure. We read in Matthew 27, verse 40, as Jesus hung on the cross, people hurled insults, come down from the cross if ye are the son of God. In his most challenging time, his very identity was questioned, and yet what looked like a colossal failure turned out to be the greatest victory on Resurrection Sunday. We all fall down at times. We all feel like we are not good enough. We all feel pressure to have certain things or look a certain way. We all feel like the cost is too great and we are too weak. In our own strengths, this is true. Remember, success is becoming the person God calls you to become and doing what God calls you to do in his way and according to his timetable. As we come to a close, let's look at how we can get better at seeking God. How do we truly experience the freedom that we are called to know? How do we live a life without the pressure to be popular, successful, and afraid of failure? To begin, we need to learn to relax in Jesus. I grew up on a farm. My happy place is doing something practical. Even at rest, I find enjoyment walking in a forest or paddleboarding. Relaxing is not something that has come naturally to me. I have had to learn to relax. Perhaps this sounds familiar. I'm not talking about the absence of activity, more of an intentional mindset. Here are a few examples of what that might look like. We can learn to enjoy spending time with Jesus, even in the midst of disappointments and life storms. Don't spend time doing for others what they should do for themselves. Maintain rhythms of being with Jesus, even in seasons of great pressure. Anyone else find themselves working in their own strength at the very times when you should be relying on God the most? Learn to be present to the beauty and wonder of those around you. Find contentment. Enjoy a deep sense of knowing I have nothing to gain and nothing to lose. I want only God's will. Experience a deep sense of contentment in caring for the people God has entrusted to me. Receive God's gifts of limits rather than fighting, ignoring, or denying them. Discerning and embracing the season in which God has placed you. These all take practice, and at times making an intentional effort. Good practices are worth worth persevering for. The next step is to learn to detach for Jesus. What exactly do I mean by that? Meister Eckhart lived 800 years ago, from 1260 to 1328. Meister was a Dominican monk, pastor, and theologian, busy guy. He wrote, to be empty of all created things is to be full of God, 
and to be full of created things is to be empty of God. I love that our struggles are nothing new. 800 years ago, people struggled with the same things. To be empty of all created things is to be full of God. And to be full of created things is to be empty of God. Practically, what does that look like? We are open to the unfolding of events in our lives, not attaching to any earthly experience or goal. Instead, trusting God is orchestrating all things for our good, his glory, and the good of the world. We can set goals in life, yet not hold too tightly to any particular outcome. It's helpful to get involved in active service to Jesus without trying to manipulate or predict what he wants to do. What goals are you holding on too tightly to right now? We should pray, not to get what we want, but to surrender our will to God's will. Finally, listening to Jesus is more important than listening to any other person, project, or cause in the world. I'm not talking about a quick and occasional check-in. Rather, a deep sense, listening that allow, rather a deep listening that allows God's direction to do a full work in us, so that it explodes with power inside us. It is learning to wait with prayerful expectation to see what unfolds. Would the band like to come back up? As I prepared this talk, I had a really clear picture of an appointment book. And it was Jesus who was holding the book. And as he opened it, every page was empty. I felt like this was a reminder to one or all of us that Jesus is available for us any time, day or night. Whether you're meeting with him for the first time or for the first time in a while. Secondly, just as we tend to keep appointments, we should not neglect spending time with God, regardless of the season that we find ourselves in. As we come to worship, let's take time to respond. Will you stand with me if you're able? If you're comfortable, feel free to close your eyes and open out your hands as a simple posture to receive from God. Come, Holy Spirit. Father God, we come before you this morning and ask for forgiveness for making it all about us. As we rebuild our lives, may we become a people less concerned with ourselves and more concerned with seeking your kingdom. Help us to seek you as we learn to love others. Help us to trust you as we pray, your kingdom come and your will be done over every area of our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.